says, I know I am. For those that are on live stream, thank you for watching. I was telling uh, Casey, our sound man, how many people that we've been getting well over 200 hits watching these services. And so what a, it's a, I'm believing to reach even more. That's why I'm asking you to share the video. I mean, the bottom line is, is we're preaching the word. I just used the word bottom line to get that again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, my wife. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, let's pray and we'll get into the word. So Father, right now, we thank you for this opportunity to open the word of God up, to enter into the word. We thank you for your spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, to lead us, to guide us into the truth of the word of God. I believe for the anointing upon my life to preach the word. I believe for the anointing upon the people to receive the word. I declare their hearts fertile ground for the seed and water of the word. And we look to you, almighty God, for the increase. Glory to God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you that this word will make a difference. Change the people's lives in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our study and probably... I'm going to use the word probably, wrap this teaching up today, (laughs) and everybody said, wow, thank you. I thought everybody was going to say, yeah, right, (laughs) hallelujah. But anyway, uh, you know, my heart is that during this study, and we've titled it Finding Stability in an Unstable World, that we as Christians will recognize and understand the importance of us always living by faith and refusing fear in our lives in any form, in any fashion, no fear whatsoever. We've got to live our lives that way. Amen. Now, I am not going to do any reviewing because I sense that if I start to review, I might get caught back up again. So I want to get going with what I believe the Lord has on my heart for today. I believe these two directions that we're going to be talking about is something that is so important for us to understand as Christians once again. In fact, go with me to Romans chapter 8 this morning. You know, just as important as it is to refuse to allow fear in our lives, it's just as important for us to do what I'm going to share with you right here. In fact, I believe it's even more important. I if you will learn to do this in your life as a Christian, now this is what I'm fixing to say, I guarantee you, you will fulfill your destiny. Guarantee it. You will see it come to pass. You will see yourself living in a position of being blessed all the time. Isn't that the way you want to live your life? Fulfill that destiny and be blessed beyond measure. If you will learn to do this, you will see it come to pass. Romans 8 verse 14 says this, For as many as are Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now those words, sons of God, it actually means maturing ones. Ones growing up and maturing in the things of God. How many believe that that's important for us to do? To mature in the things of of God. To grow up in the things of God. You know what happens with way too many Christians? They get born. They put their baby diapers on. 
And for the next 20 years, they keep the same diapers on. That's sad, isn't it? How many want to be around a person wearing the same diapers they, they first put on 20 years ago? I'm fixing to have a new little baby daughter. Granddaughter. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Are we? <laughs> anyway. And, and, and uh, you know, it's one of the things I have endeavored to get across to my daughter that if she comes to stay with us, which I will definitely always want to happen, when that little girl goes to the bathroom in her diapers, I will not be the one changing those diapers. Now, you might laugh and think that's kind of strange. You're her, her grandfather. I do not have much of a tolerance to change poo-poo diapers. Yeah, I said it live stream, poo-poo. <laughs> I am not, I am, I don't know if you ever watched America's Funniest Videos. They had a montage of different fathers changing diapers and they're gagging. They're wearing all kinds of things to keep themselves from gagging. That was me. That is me. I am, not, I am not a friend to that kind of thing. I am not. I don't like it. So I believe as a grandfather that we should have the, what's the word I'm looking for? We, we've reached a, a, an age in our lives, a privilege, thank you, John, a privilege of not having to change poo-poo diapers anymore. <laughs> that should be something we can pass on or pass back to our daughters or our sons. Amen. Okay, I'm glad for the couple of soon-to-be grandfathers in this room. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But the point I'm trying to get at is, and this, I don't think a lot of Christians understand this. When you first get born again, you are a spiritual baby. It's the truth. And, and what you're supposed to do, just like a natural baby grows up, becomes a toddler, becomes a child, becomes a teenager, becomes a young adult, becomes an adult. You grow up, you mature. That's supposed to happen for Christians as well. And yet how many Christians stay in their stinky diapers? <laughs> Everybody say, that's not me. Everybody say, I don't smell. Well, that's a matter of opinion. Never mind. Did I just say that live stream too? <laughs> We're all supposed to be growing up. We're all supposed to be maturing. And one of the ways we do that is by being led by the Spirit of God. We're called to be led by the Spirit of, of God every day, throughout the day. Now, I know th for some people, they have the mentality, Pastor Dan, I don't even know how I can do that. I don't understand how I can do that. In fact, I guarantee you, if I was to go in a whole lot of churches today and say you're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God, they'd think I'm wacko. I'm talking Christians. That, that, that you can hear God speak to you in your heart and you can be led by the Spirit of God? Absolutely. I believe... I can hear from Almighty God. I believe, in fact, I know I can hear from Almighty God. The only reason I'm here today is because I heard from God to come to this place. <laughs> I don't care what people think about me. The, uh, 
I almost said it. I know it. Hallelujah. (laughs) What you have got to understand. (laughs) Great. What you've got to understand is this. God, one of the main reasons we have the Holy Spirit living in us is to lead us. And if we stop and we think about that, if you're being led by the Spirit of God, will He ever lead you down a pathway of death and destruction? Will He ever lead you down a, a pathway of, uh, of failure and, and falling apart, your life falling apart all around you? Absolutely not. Yet, I would, I would gander to say that the majority of Christians today are still being led just like those without Christ. By opportunities, by needs, by fear. Way too many Christians are allowing themselves to be led by fear. Do you understand that cannot, that must not be the way we're led through this life? The Bible talks about, in fact, we uh, shared this scripture, it's been a couple of weeks ago. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of, uh, of, I mean, of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Fear is a spirit. And guess where that spirit is going to lead you to? Death and destruction. Think about the, 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 um, the challenging times we're living in right now. James, my son, was sharing with me how right now the statistics for the amount of alcohol being purchased and consumed is just skyrocketed. That suicides has gone way up. That people are just at their wits end. And what ends up happening with so many people out there in the world, and unfortunately, again, with so many Christians, what they try to do is to give themselves courage, is they begin to drink alcohol. They begin to do drugs, to give them that added oomph, to be able to do what they need to do. But what they don't understand is by going down that pathway, what ends up happening is they end up becoming alcoholics or they become drug addicts. In other words, what ends up happening is they become addicted, addicted to alcohol. They become uh, entrapped, they become bondaged to alcohol and to drugs. And guess what that does to your life, my friends? Destroys it. Does that sound like something God wants for you and me? We're called to be led by the Spirit of God. And let me tell you something. When you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit, He will lead you out of, uh, of sickness and disease into health and wholeness. He will lead you out of, 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 of poverty and lack into prosperity and abundance. He will lead you out of defeat and failure into victory and success. Following the lead of the Spirit, listen, you will always end up at the right place at the right time. Doesn't that sound good? I mean, I want, I've heard a person say this before, and it's so true. When you're being led by the Spirit, does not mean your outward circumstances are always going to be, oh, where everything just is so wonderful and so glorious and everything's so easy, and I'm not having to face any challenges. I'm going to tell you a little secret about living for God. That is not going to happen. <laughs> 
Now, understand where I'm going with this and how I'm saying this. When you're following the leading of the Spirit, He might lead you to a place where you are greatly challenged. It could be, for example, some missionaries might be led to go overseas to a place that is war-stricken. And I mean, there's all kinds. I've heard of missionaries talking about when they go to bed at night, here come the guns. Right outside their window. But I would rather have been led by the Spirit of God to a place like that, knowing that I'm in God's perfect will for my life, hearing gunfire all around me, because I know if I'm in God's perfect will for my life, I know that the Holy Spirit led me there. He's going to keep me. He's going to take care of me. I hope you're listening to me. But, it's, but, but, but what happens with people? They go over to a place. They come to a new city. They go to a new place. And here comes a challenge. We all are going to face challenges, friends. In this world, there are tribulations. Jesus said so. You're going to face tests and trials. Are you listening to me? But be of good cheer. Everybody say, I'm going to be of good cheer. Because Jesus has overcome this world. Meaning, as we follow his leading, the leading of the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, Glory to God, it don't matter what comes our way. We're coming out the other side victoriously. That's the way we're supposed to live. I mean, right now with this coronavirus, from the beginning of this teaching, what have I been saying? We have got to be different than those in the world. We have got to live differently than those in the world. We're called to be a bright light to those out there. We're called to let our light shine before all men. They need us. To be letting our light shine before all men. Because we have the answer, right? I, 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 I'm trying to get something across to you about being led by the Spirit. does not mean that everything's going to be really easy. Life becomes easy. We live in a fallen world. A sin-cursed, filled world. And because we're in this world, we're not of it, we're in it, we're going to have challenges. Do you understand that the one we followed, the one we follow, (laughs) better be still following him. The one we follow was crucified, was put to death, even though he was innocent, did nothing wrong. We follow after him. What am I trying to get across? If the world put him on the cross, why do you think the world's thinking about you and me as his followers? They don't like you. They don't like me. And guess what? I don't care. I'm going to love them anyway. I said I'm going to love them anyway. And, 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 and <laughs> Lord, help me to say this. I'm not saying that if somebody did something to my wife or to my children, that my flesh wouldn't rise up. But if I'm truly letting my light shine before all men, If I'm truly doing it the way Jesus did it, I'm going to respond in love. I'm going to forgive those people for what they've done. I've heard of testimonies of people that their spouse was taken from them or or their children were killed or murdered. And the person that was married to that individual, was the parent of that individual, came to the person who did it. During the trial, after the trial, they spoke and they looked at that person and says, said, I forgive you. I 
forgive you for what you've done. Oh, my, my. Is that possible to do? Oh, absolutely it's possible to do. But I want us to get in our hearts this fact. We're called to be led by the Spirit. The Bible goes on to say there in verse um, 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Do you notice when you're yielding to fear, what do you get into? Bondage. But you receive the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Or you could say, Daddy, glory to God. Verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, if the Spirit of God bears witness with the most important thing that could ever happen to us, the fact that we become children of God, do you not think he'll bear witness with you concerning other decisions you have to make in your life? Big time. He wants you to marry the right person. I know without a shadow of a doubt that God led me to marry that woman. Boy, did I marry up. And I just rejoice in knowing how much he loves me by blessing me with such a wonderful woman. The bottom line I'm trying to get across is this. Why do we think God stops wanting to lead us and guide us and witness to our hearts what direction we should go in in this life? Isn't that kind of silly? That God's not able to get across to us direction, correction, whatever it is that we may need. We're called to be led by the Spirit of God. And if He bears witness that we are children of God, He'll bear witness whether you're supposed to go back to school or not. Now, I'm not talking to young teenagers here or freshmen saying, Pastor Dan said the Spirit of God told me I don't have to go back to school. That's not what I said. We have got to wake up every morning and look to the Spirit. You know what ends up happening with way too many Christians? And a lot of you heard me say this before. The Holy Spirit, who comes and indwells us after we get born again. Did you hear what I just said? He indwells. Oh, glory to God. I love thinking on this. I got, I got God living in me. I, I got God living in me. Oh, hallelujah. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, glory to God, he quickens this mortal body. He brings life to my mortal body. And he leads me through this life. Hallelujah. But for a lot of Christians, you know what ends up happening? The Holy Spirit just becomes a spiritual hitchhiker. He just comes along for the ride. They never look to him. They never recognize him. They definitely are trying to be led by him. I heard Brother Hagin make this statement years ago. If you have never um, read his book, How to Be Led by the Spirit of God, I believe is the name of it. I would strongly recommend that you get that book and read it. It is an incredible book. It will help you greatly. But he talked about how one man... Uh, wasn't in the ministry, but he was. Uh, he got a hold of this teaching on how to be led by the Spirit of God. He began to train himself on how to do so, how to recognize the voice of God, how to be led by the Spirit of God. And what he ended up doing, he went from a place of being in utter poverty 
to a place of being a multimillionaire. He, what he would do before he did any kind of business deal, he would go into his closet, his prayer closet, spend time with God, praying in the Spirit, seeking the Lord, what am I supposed to do? And he would not move on that business deal until he heard from God. To the Spirit of God, yes, go for it. Or no, don't go for it. Do, do you see that? Do you see how, what I'm saying there? God wants to make you blessed. God, God wants to make you a millionaire. I can say that and I'll say it. You know what? How many of you could be doing a whole lot more for God if you had, if you had a couple million dollars in your, in your bank account? I'm not trying to, again, is, is that all you think about is money? It takes money to reach the people of this world. I'm supposed to be showing this world that my God loves us. I'm, a, I'm an earthly daddy. I've got kids. I want my kids to look at me and say, my daddy's a good, good father. He takes care of us. He blesses us. He, he, he always takes. At Christmas time, we have so many gifts, I don't even know what to do with them all. Isn't that right, Riley? Riley's in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We need to be led by the Spirit of God. We cannot be led by fear. You cannot be led by opportunities. You, you know what ends up happening too with a lot of, of people? An opportunity will arise where you can go to another state. You can get a better job. You can make more money. Your kids will have an incredible school. Go to an incredible school. But guess what they don't know? They don't know what's going to happen a year from now, do they? They don't know what's going to happen a year and a half from now. Guess who does? The Holy Spirit. Do you think, does, did anybody in here know that this coronavirus stuff was fixing to hit? Probably not. not if you're shaking your head, man, you're, you're a literally spiritual giant. But the majority of you probably would say No. I didn't know this was going to happen, but guess who did? The Holy Spirit knew. This did not knock God off the throne. Are you listening to me? It did not, it did not knock God off the throne. Say that five times fast. The, the point I'm trying to make is, when we're being led by the Spirit, He could, see, the opportunity tells you well, it's going to make my life better better job better more money better school for my kids but what you're not getting is what's going to happen six months or a year later when that that business goes under and, and now you're out of a job and you're in a position where you don't even know what to do be led by the spirit of god even if all of a sudden, all the signs are pointing you to go this direction, go this direction. Everything looks great. The neon signs are blinking. Go this way, go this way, go this way. The door's wide open. The, the so-called angels or whatever are standing by going, come on in. Do not be led by opportunities. Do not be led by needs. Do not be led by your teacher or professor. Do not be led by your friends. And yes, listen to me. Do not even be led by your parents. Now, don't leave from here saying that Pastor Dan says I don't have to listen to my parents anymore. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is parents should not tell their children what they're supposed to do. They should teach their children how to hear from Almighty God so that they'll follow after what God has for their lives. It's not always easy. I want to be able to scoop my kids up and say, come, be with me here. But I never did that. 
I wanted them to get it in their hearts. I wanted them to know for certain. Because guess what? I guarantee you she could stand up and testify right now. I've been challenged since I've been here. James could do the same thing. Brooke and Casey are supposed to be coming back now. But I promise you this much, it wasn't because I'm begging them to. It's because they're being led to come back here and help. And because of that, when the challenge arises, they are not going to say, well, mom and dad told me to come. No! What they'll be able to do is keep standing steady in the midst of the storm. No matter how hot the fire gets, no matter how strong the winds blow, no matter how great the challenge is, I'm going to keep standing steady because I know God led me here. Fear must never be an option for us as Christians to follow after fear. Is everybody getting this this morning? You could do a whole huge teaching on being led by the Spirit of God. And I don't know if you noticed uh, again or not, but I haven't even gone to my notes. And I got a lot more to go. (laughs) Everybody say, yeah, Pastor Dan. (laughs) So, do you grab, everybody getting this? Everybody say, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. I expect to hear from the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Spirit, I'm going to tell you something. We believe in that. And one of the ways you can become spiritually attuned is to pray in the Spirit. Because when you're praying in the Spirit, you're, you're, by faith, you're activating something on the inside. And it just kind of makes you more sensitive to His, his leading, to who His voice. Amen. Glory to God. Be led by the Spirit of God. Do not be led by fear or anything else for that matter. Amen? Amen. Now, I don't think it's possible to talk about refusing fear in our lives without talking about walking in the fear of God. I want you to go with me to, in your Bibles to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8, I believe it is. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 8, and I have scriptures, um, I know a a lot of different scriptures read differently, but I'm going to read these uh, two verses today from the Living Bible and from the Passion Translation. But I believe one of the reasons people get paralyzed with fear, end up over in panic, is because they do not understand the fear of the Lord. They do not understand the importance of walking in the fear of the Lord. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, Isaiah 8.13 from the Living Bible. It says this. Don't fear anything except the Lord of heaven. If you fear him, you need fear nothing else. Did you hear that? The Passion Translation says, Fear nothing and no one except Yahweh, commander of angel armies. Honor him as holy. Be in awe before him with deepest reverence. Isn't that good? If you fear the Lord, the Lord of the armies of heaven, the commander of angel armies, (laughs) I love it. You need fear nothing. You need fear nothing. I want everybody to say that with me. I fear the Lord and nothing else. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Psalm 34, you don't have to turn there, just look up here. We looked at this psalm uh, pr- pretty much when we started this teaching. 
Uh, verse 4, that the Lord delivers us from all our fears. But I want you to notice verse 7 and 9 in this same psalm. Verse 34, Psalm 34, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Do you think there's a benefit to walking in the fear of the Lord? The angels of the Lord encamp all around. Glory to God. If you're walking in the fear of the Lord, it ain't just you sitting there. You got all these angels all around you, encamped all around you. And what is one of their main purposes? To deliver you. Deliver you from what? From anything of the enemy, including this coronavirus. Hey! Glory to God! Now look at verse uh, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Now did I just read the Bible? This is the B-I-B-L-E, right? This is, a, this is from the Bible. Fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Now, am I the only one who thinks that's kind of cool? Kind of being living a blessed, blessed, blessed life, having no wants. If you fear the Lord, there is no want to those who fear him. Glory to God. So the same God who delivers us from all our fears is the same God in whom the Bible tells us here that we're supposed to fear. I want to give you five different parts or aspects of the fear of the Lord. Number one, to fear the Lord is to have an awareness of him, an awareness of God. Do you think it's possible to have Great respect for the Lord if you're not even aware of Him. We must make it our heart's cry to become more aware of God in our lives. One of my confessions that I make is that I'm becoming more God inside-minded all the time. Do you not think that would be important for us? To be aware of the fact that we have the Holy Ghost living in us. He cannot become a spiritual hitchhiker in your life as a Christian. You've got to recognize and honor him that he is in you. Just talk to him like you talk to the person sitting next to you. Like you talk to your mommy or your daddy. Like you talk to your best friend. Learn to talk to the Spirit of God. Become aware of the fact that he is in you. Amen. I mean, how many of you would be doing some of the things that you do in your lives if you were aware of the fact that God is with you all the time, 24-7? Would you have done what you did yesterday? Would you have done what you did the day before? I'm not accusing anybody of doing anything wrong. I'm just trying to put this out to you. It will change the way you live your lives if you're aware of the fact that God is in you. Amen. Praise you, Praise you, praise you, almighty God. Do you see how having a greater awareness of him will help you develop in the fear of the Lord? Number two, to fear the Lord is to have faith in him. How many understand if we are to walk and to live in faith, as we are called to do in the word, we must not only be hearing the word, but we must have an understanding of the one who spoke the words. The Bible tells us, I mean, think about Hebrews eleven six. 6. But without faith, 
it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe. Everybody say must believe. Does that sound like that's an option for us? No, it's not. We're called to believe that he is. And we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we're called to, in this scripture, we must believe that he is, that God exists, that he's, he, he's real. Most Christians, if not all Christians, have no issues with that. It's the second part that a lot of Christians have issues with. That as we diligently seek him, he's a rewarder of those who do so. Most, I'm going to say this. I'll, I'll, I'll go out on a limb. I would have to say the majority of Christians don't believe that. They don't believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That he will always be there for them. That he will always come through for them. That he will reward them. Their summation is, well, you just never know what God is going to do. He may come through for me, and he may not. I believe that is probably one of the biggest and most, uh, it, that is one of the biggest insults you could ever say about God. And I'll even go further. I'll say it's blasphemous. You just never know what he's going to do. You just know he may heal you. He may not. He may take care of you. He may not. He may bless you and he may not. You just never know about him. Stop and think about that. What are you saying when you say that? You're saying that God's not faithful. That God's not going to honor his word in your life. You know, I've had people say to me before, Pastor Dan... When you ask God for something, he may say no. Not if you're asking according to his word. Which is the only way you can really ask in faith. Because if it's in here, that's his will. And if it's his will, glory to God that he wants that to happen in your life. I hope you're listening to me. I am not trying to condemn people by what I'm saying here. What I'm trying to do is get people to recognize and understand we're called to live by faith. We're called to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. In our lives, he's always come through for us. He's always been there for us. Amen. You know, the Bible promises me he'll never leave me nor forsake me. You would not know how many times I've said that from my mouth. Especially during trying times. I know you're here with me now, Lord. You will never leave me nor forsake me. Can you see how that kind of attitude can, can tend to cause us to fear the Lord more? We are called to live by faith. Amen? Don't ever have that attitude. Please understand, again, this is from the bottom of my heart to you. Do not have the attitude you just never know about him. God is faithful and true. Always. Amen. Number three. To fear the Lord is to willingly obey God even when it appears more advantageous to compromise or to not obey his word. You know what ends up happening with a whole lot of Christians? <laughs> They're doers of the word. As long as being a doer of the word, they can immediately see the benefits of doing it. Do you hear what I'm saying? But the moment that obedience demands you to put your flesh under 
the moment it becomes something that seems to be of great challenge, a whole lot of Christians say, nope, I ain't going to do that. I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Is that the way we're supposed to be living our lives? Let me just help you in this area. If God ever asks you to do something, he is always trying to get you positioned to receive his blessings or his promotion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He, and I understand. Sometimes he's going to ask you to do something that your flesh is going to fight you every inch of the way. Because, see, our flesh likes to do things that are easy. Our flesh doesn't like to be challenged. We want everything to be kind of go through life on that flowery bed of ease. But when God asks you to do something, it's for your betterment, not for your harm. Amen. And so we must always, no matter what he asks us to do, when you come to church, like you did today, and those people watching via live stream, when you come to church and God speaks something to your heart, do you think that God just wants that to be some of a, ooh, God's speaking to me right now. It's such a great thing. God's speaking, I've got a revelation I've never had before. And you start to cry, or maybe you start to shout, you start to laugh, whatever it is, but then you leave from here, and you don't do it. Do you know that if a person doesn't do what God has revealed to their hearts to do, it's just as if they had never heard the word at all. Ouch. But if we're going to walk in the fear of the Lord, we must do the word. Always. And remind yourself, and first of all, let me just say this to you too. When it comes to the flesh, you've got to learn to be really rough with your flesh. The Bible talks about buffeting your body. And in one translation, I think it's the Amplified, it says beating your body black and blue. Because your flesh is going to want to do what's contrary to the Bible. But if you're going to follow after God, if you want to be positioned to receive his blessing and promotion, then you've got to be a doer of the word. Follow after God with all your hearts. Amen? And by so doing, you are walking in the fear of the Lord. Number four, and this is the one most people are familiar with, to fear the Lord is to reverence Him. To show Him great respect, to honor Him. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. I know probably the majority of Christians understand this about God, reverencing Him in this, this way, fearing God in this way. But I'm going to tell you something. It's lacking big time in the body of Christ today. I am going to say this, and I believe it's true. Yet, yesteryear's sinners treat the things of God with more respect than a lot of today's Christians. When you come through those doors, you've got to understand this is a holy place. I'm not saying you come in here in fear and being afraid, but you should come in here with a, a sense of respect and honor for the King of Kings who laid down his life for you and me. You want to come through those doors expecting to receive from him. You don't want to come through those doors with an attitude of, God, I showed up. Now you take care of my family. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And I'm going to just throw some things out to you. (laughs) I know what it's like for people to be in a church service clipping their fingernails. You might say, Pastor Dan, how do you know that? Because I've had to clean the church up before and seen them. And I knew approximately who it was because I know where people sit. It wasn't in this church. It was over at Missoula Bible Church. 
I've seen people snot rags stuffed between the chairs. I've seen trash strewn across the floor. (laughs) I've seen people on their phones. And I'm not talking about they're on their phones pulling up scriptures. They're on their phones playing games. Or they're texting somebody. We went to back to Raymond to go to, uh, I don't remember how long ago this was. But we were sitting in the back. Uh, it was for Winter Bible, it had to be. And we got to sit with the go into the classrooms. And um, the way it is now at Raymond, and I'm not 100% behind this, but that's just me. Maybe I'm old-fashioned about this. Is, you know, because of the new technology, people bring their, their, their Bibles on their phones or their iPads. And they take notes there. We sat there and watched rows of them playing games, texting one another. To me, that's so dishonoring. It's not only dishonoring to the teacher, but more importantly, it's dishonoring to Almighty God. Now, I want to say this too, and I'll turn around so nobody thinks I'm talking about them. (laughs) For a person to use the pastor's preaching time as nap time, I, I, I don't let it bother me. I'm going to be real. It doesn't bother me. But boy, that sure is dishonoring to God. The one who anointed me to preach the word sees you out there sleeping. What does that say to him? That you really don't care about what you're hearing. I'm not, and again, I understand. I know from whence I speak, I've been in services before where I'm fighting it with everything that's in me to keep my eyes open. But I do it. It's one I heard one time when I was going through Canaan land and, and, and the, some of the you know, counselors at Canaan land were, had come from Raymond. He, they knew I was going to go. They said, well, there's going to be some classes you're going to have no issues with. You're going to go in there. You're going to be f- just stoked and excited, incredible teachers. But then you're going to have other teachers. And you're going to go in there and they're going to start to ramble and ramble and ramble. And basically what you have to do is take toothpicks, prop your eyes open because... It's boring. But I've got to remind myself, wait a minute, why am I here? Why did God call me here just for the classes that I enjoy or for all these classes I'm taking? So listen, if you feel like you can't stay awake, drink some of the coffee out there. (laughs) See, I'm making a sales call. Yeah, yeah. Whoop. Anyway, we're called to reverence God always. We're called to reverence God always. Do you want God to move in our services? I'm very serious about this. Do you want God to move in our services? Do you know why God is not moving in a bunch of services throughout this world? Because they do not reverence him. They do not show him great respect. How sad is that? How sad is that? This is our heart's cry, and I'm going to get more into this in just a second. It is our heart's cry that we are a church that reverences God always. Amen. When you honor him, he shows up. And finally, number five, and this is the one I want you to pay close attention to, and it's really not for a lot of you in here, but to fear the Lord is to fear his wrath and his judgment. To fear the Lord is to fear his wrath and his judgment. Now, for those who are living for God, this is nothing that you need to fear at all. Thank God for Jesus. I said, thank God for Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus in his precious blood has delivered us from the wrath of God and that God has not appointed us to wrath. That's incredible. That is incredible. That's one of the reasons I firmly believe that, that uh, we'll be raptured off of this planet before the tribulation period begins. 
Because during that seven-year period, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on this earth, unlike any other time in the history of man. The Bible also tells us the judgment for our sins fell upon Jesus. He took our sins upon himself and went to the cross where he died for us. And then for three days and three nights, he received all the judgment and penalty for those sins. And why did he do it? So we wouldn't have to. Thank you, Jesus. But what about the person who rejects God's gift of salvation? What about the person who's rejected Jesus? I want to read this scripture to you. John 3, 36. You can look up here. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. And then in Colossians 3, verses 6 and 7, it says, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Friends, I don't think we can even begin to imagine what it's going to be like to suffer the wrath of God. To fall into the hands of a pure and holy God. And any person who rejects God's gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ is going to experience it. And they're going to experience it in a place called hell. Hell is a real place. Hell is a real place. And it's not a place that you can go into, suffer the penalty, be judged, be tortured, and then say, okay, I've had enough. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Once you go through the door into hell, there's no turning around and coming back out. It is a forever thing. Once you leave this earth, once you step off into eternity, if you accepted Jesus, you go to heaven. If you rejected Jesus, you go to hell. It's up to you where you go. But hell is real. And I don't care what kind of a horror movie you may have seen in your life. There is no horror movie that can even begin to come close to what it's going to be like in hell. I've read books after people. I've heard people preach about, I mean, testify about being sent to hell. They went down to hell. They're in this place of darkness. You cannot see anything. And demons are in there, ripping into them, ripping their guts out. Flesh is burning off of them. But you know the one thing that's going to be on everyone's mind who goes there? Why didn't I give my life to Jesus when I had the opportunity? I tell you what, I don't want to have this happen to anybody. But it is what's going to happen to anybody who rejects Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I am not a hailstone in, what does it go? Brim, hellfire, you know, hell and brimstone preacher. But it's a reality. And sometimes we as Christians need to wake up to this. Because if the people you love, if you really love them, then why aren't you sharing Jesus with them? If you don't accept Jesus, what, what, a, what, a, what an easy thing to do. And yet people out of pride reject it. Who? I'm not going to bow the knee to you. I can handle my life here on this planet. I don't need you, Jesus. And then the moment they die, 
They, I've heard testimonies of people stepping off and t- they, they're dying on their deathbeds and they're screaming because they're starting to experience what hell is really like. We don't want that to happen to anybody. But yet we're intimidated to share Jesus with others. We've got to wake up, friends. We got to get bold about sharing Jesus Christ with others. Because there's no way getting around this. Everybody in here, if the Lord tarries his, his coming, will go the way of the grave. Some of you might go at 120 years of age, but you're still going to go the way of the grave if the Lord tarries his coming. You know what I mean by that? If Jesus doesn't come back to take us between now and then, you're going to die. Where you go is solely up to you. Ain't up to your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your best friends. It's only up to you. A choice that you have to make, a decision you have to make. You've heard me say this over and over and over and over and over again. The greatest decision I made in my life isn't my wife. The greatest decision I've made in my life isn't to have children. The greatest decision I ever made in my life was accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I went from a state of death and separation from God to a state of life and being God's very own child. That's, and what did it take? Me going and going into a monastery and beating myself with chains because of how bad I was and all the mistakes I've made in my life, crawling across glass, saying what a sorry rascal I was. None of that. All it took was saying, Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. And guess what he does when you do that? He runs to you. Glory to God. He runs to you. He's like, oh, thank you. I've been waiting for this day. I've been waiting for this. I know he's done it for me. He wants to do it for you. And anybody watching via live stream. Close your eyes real quick. I want you to pay attention to me. This is the most serious time. I don't want anybody looking around because I know how serious this is. I want you to search your heart. I want you to ask yourself a simple question. Do I know? Do I know? If I died today, I'd go to be with Jesus. Because friends, listen, if you don't know him, you should fear the wrath that's coming upon you. You should fear the wrath that will be there. But that is not what God wills for your life. God's will is that everyone would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. All it takes is saying, Jesus, come. Be my Lord and Savior. Do not put off to tomorrow what you can do today. We're in the valley of decisions, the Bible says. Make this choice today if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want you to do this with the eyes closed, nobody looking around. Be bold about it. If you've never...